What's up, everyone? And welcome to the School District Podcast. My name is Adam Welcome. This is my podcast. I'm the host, and I really and truly hope you enjoy all the conversations I have with educators all over the world principals, teachers, instructional coaches, assistant superintendents, superintendents, and even state commissioners of education. We go deep and talk about the pain points and lessons learned in education. Please consider subscribing to the podcast, leave a rating, write a review, and share your favorite conversations with colleagues or anyone you think would enjoy. Today's episode is brought to you by me. The best way to support the podcast is to pick up one of my books, Kids Deserve It, Run Like a Pirate, Empower Our Girls, or Teachers Deserve It, all available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And Kids Deserve It is also on Audible as an audiobook. And if your organization, your school, your district, your county, service unit, conference, or company is having an event and looking for a high-energy relevant, relatable, fun, down-to-earth speaker that keeps it real and really connects with the audience, reach out directly so we can talk about your event and schedule something amazing for your team. Just reach out, adamwelcome at gmail.com or mradamwelcome.com for more information about speaking and also my other podcasts and blog. All right, my guest for today is coming all the way from Mexico. I did an event, a virtual event for a uh, education company in Mexico and uh, one of the people on the uh, on the event Maggie Silva was there and tweeting about the event and then we started DMing and going back and forth and uh, I just said hey Maggie come on the show and let's talk about education and uh, former principal and what uh, what it's like uh, down in Mount, down in Mexico so Maggie and I had a really really great conversation about what's happening in education in Mexico right now uh, different tips to implement innovation, just biggest challenges facing school leaders right now, how to prepare for next year, uh, and mentors, because I think mentors are so important, I think, in everyone's lives. So uh, episode 130, hope you enjoy with Maggie Silva. Maggie Silva, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Adam. It's, a, it's truly an honor and my pleasure to be here with you. Oh my gosh, I'm super excited. I did a virtual event for a group in uh, Mexico last week and you were on the Twitter and then we were messaging and I was like, Maggie, come on the podcast. So uh, do yourself a favor, go follow Maggie right now, margarita underscore PSR. I'm going to link it in the show notes. Maggie is very active on Twitter, sharing great ideas. But Maggie, introduce yourself to everyone that listens to this podcast. Tell us who you are, what you do, where you live. Let's start there. Thank you, Adam. Of course. Uh, first of all, I'm thrilled to be here with you all. Uh, second, please, you'll have to excuse me if my English uh, is not so great. Like eventually, if I'm excited, I try and like go and speak faster than my English processing is because I'm a Spanish speaker, I'm Mexican, born and raised in Guadalajara, Jalisco, which is the land of tequila, many of you probably know. <laughs> and I'm somehow near Puerto Vallarta. That probably also sounds familiar with some of you. So I've lived here my entire life. I've been dedicated to education ever since I was a high school student. I was already teaching. 
And well, what else can I say about me to all of you? I'm an active person, very energetic, and I honestly love sharing both receiving and giving whenever possible. So I'm very, very happy to be here with all of you, especially Adam. And well, yeah, I think later on I'll go back to this part. Uh, but yeah, I think this is good so far. No, that's great. And I love, I've really, I've, I've been meaning to get more of an international audience and just getting people that don't live in the United States on the podcast. So we were connecting and I thought that would be great. So what's happening in education right now in Mexico? I feel like I have a really good handle on what's happening in the United States uh, with COVID and with technology and just with different initiatives and what's happening. And uh, tell us, like, what's what's happening? What's what's going on? Where is education in Mexico? Are there any big like initiatives or things that um, schools are are really trying to do? Uh, yeah, what's uh, what's going on? Okay, sure. And yeah, of course, these just uh, reminds me I left out. I think maybe something important in my presentation, which is what I currently do. Uh, even though I've been like in education for a lot of years now. What I'm currently doing is I'm leading two different projects. One is the ADEM, which is in Spanish, Asociación de Directores Escolares de México. It's an association that gathers um, educational leaders from mainly Mexico, but some other countries as well. And on the other hand, I'm currently leading um, a personal project, which is focused on uh, school consultancy towards continuous improvement and how to integrate innovation. So um, this one is called Ultimate Learning Community. It's actually called in English because from the beginning, from the start, we were looking to uh, grow an international network of people interested in achieving the same goals as we do. So um, before this, I did um, was, I was a, a high school principal. And before that, I've been a coordinator and a teacher for many, many years. So uh, with this background that I have, I've been able to identify some of the trends in Mexico in education. And I honestly think they're not so different from the rest of the world. I've had the pleasure of participating in different programs, uh, some trainings on project-based learning, for example, or visible thinking. But more recently, I was um, of a part of a certificate program that Harvard developed, both with the business school, Harvard Business School and Harvard Graduate School of Education. And in that certification, which is composed of four different programs, I was able to uh, be there and share with a lot of educational leaders, not just from the US, but from different parts of the world. And surprise, well, turns out 
we are pretty much all in the same spot. Some of us, unfortunately, like is our case in Mexico, I could say we are one or two steps back, maybe in some of the uh, trends or some of the latest um, investigations and reports, but we are mainly struggling with the same things, uh, which are, I could say, uh, centering the educational process on the student instead of on the teacher. We are still struggling with that in a lot of our schools and classrooms. Uh, how to balance pedagogy and technology, because sometimes the urgency to integrate technology into the class, it's so big that we educators just tend to say, okay, so these app sounds amazing, I'll get it in. Like how, I don't care, when, I don't care, I'll get it in. So you start using some technology that not necessarily is what's best for your students. It's what they need or what they could benefit more in their learning and developmental process. So I would say that those two are like the biggest challenge we currently have. And that was pre-COVID and sadly it's still right now. I would say uh, going forward, maybe we will still try and balance those two mainly. Of course, there are different ways to do so which many of you, I'm sure you're well aware, you have different methodologies that you can um, use as support in order to give back the protagonism to the students. Yeah, well, your challenges, I would say, are the same in the United States. I work with hundreds of schools, and I'm just, I'm really also, I'm really interested in the Ultimate Learning community. You can learn more, go to learningulc or ultimatelc.com. I'll link it in the show notes as well, because it's a really great perspective, and this is why I'm trying to have an international conversation, because if you're in California or New York or Jalisco, it's kids are kids and teachers are teachers, and exactly. some some are at different parts. So- what I'm thinking about is it's it's April right now, and I'm thinking about next year. I think any kind of big change is probably not going to happen this year. It's going to happen next year. So as an educator, how are you thinking about next year? And then based on what you just said, Maggie, what are some things that teachers, uh, principals, directors, whatever your job is, what are some things that they could do to maybe get rid of some things or to see the efficacy of what they're doing right now? Is it, are those apps still good? Should we still be doing this project as a way to get ready for next year? I feel like education is really good at bringing things into education. And I feel we could do a lot better at getting rid of things that aren't good for kids and aren't good for teachers. So what would be some tips for educators to kind of think about that as they're thinking about next year and planning. Sure. And yeah, I totally agree. Maybe we in education are used to getting things on our plate, but not getting them out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we 
often feel overwhelmed, but it's also because of our own not efficacy into letting go. So yeah, um, thank you, Aram. And I think it's a wonderfully powerful question. And I think COVID has led us into a point where we are more aware of our need of reflection. We have been uh, for years now listening to metacognition on our kids, how to develop that. But we have not been so aware of how to do so as educators and we need that as well. I think we are in a great moment to start thinking and planning for the year ahead. Why? Because if we truly want to get our classrooms and our educational communities more student-centered, we are in a great moment with still some months ahead of this school year to start building that culture. Because if we try and make a drastic change, probably it's not going to work as well as we hope for. So, uh, yeah, I think the best idea is to pause, simply take, uh, and if needed, ideally take a day or two from our usual activities in the classroom, in the school, to seriously, uh, maybe even supported by a protocol or some uh, very clear strategies and stra yeah, like a, an implementation process. So we can all reflect both individually in teams, but also as a collective, as a real community on what has COVID has brought that is good for us. But for us, mainly focusing on our students, then in our teachers, and finally in the administration process. Because uh, sometimes we tend to, I don't know, like turn on some, some knobs and those knobs that we're turning tend to put too much pressure on some parts of the system. And talking about system in an educational community, we're talking about people. So we, as educational leaders, we as administration or as administrators, maybe it's we who are causing our teachers to want to leave the profession because we are stressing them too much between what we ask from them with the kids and we ask from them towards us in the administrative process. So maybe some of the forced on us flexibilities that COVID brought, maybe some of those we are to keep on even next year and 10 years ahead. What on uh, some flexibilities for the families, for the students, what, what of those can we keep on? And one of the, what of that was not so good for the learning process of our kids? And that's what we need to let go of. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about when I was a principal and having some type of activity that you do and then that you do with your team and your staff or your grade level or your department. And it could be putting everything on a, on a post-it note and then talking about them and giving it a, a number. Let's say you, let's say you're doing 35 things you know, every, everything gets a number and nothing can have the same number. So from 25 to 35, those things were on the bottom of like what you feel is important and ask the kids also, Maggie, I feel like, I feel like we as adults, as educators, we do so much to kids. How can we do more with kids? And sometimes they may not like something and you say, hey, too bad, we have to do this. Or do we have to do it this way? How can we change how we do it? Because in the end, they're the ones, it's their education, and we're, we're just guiding them on that path. And that goes back to something you said earlier about uh, change and planning and innovation. It's the teachers stepping back and giving the kids more control. But that's hard, Maggie. People, you know, especially for teachers, they're like, well, this is my classroom, and I was there as a teacher. What if I don't know how to do it? And I, I would just say, it's okay. You know, when we were kids, our teachers, they had to be the expert. They had to know everything. But now with the internet, everybody has the information. It's, it's what you do with it, with, with the learning process, which I think, is, uh, I think is so important, right? Definitely. And yeah, I think there are like tons of protocols that we could uh like linger on discussing but what I've been um, discovering lately or trying to help other like educational communities know is that you can even base on whatever protocols there are already available and adjust them or even make up your own like based on those just make sure you have three to five steps clearly defined your times what are you going to do how are you going to do it to achieve whatever goal it is that you're trying to get or accomplish and yes definitely I'm I'm a huge advocate of giving back their voices to their kids and not just not just their voices they have to have both voice and choice so I don't care if they are kindergartners or pre-K, or if they're in high school or even after that. And my saying, I don't care, is because they have voices. Like I've been, um, I've been an educational leader in schools that worked with toddlers, like one-year-olds. And you manage, you can get away to, if you learn how to, to truly listen to them. They're not speaking yet, not with words, but they have ways to communicate with mm-hmm. you if you're willing to listen to them. So yes, definitely. We have to, we have to ask them. We have to give them the opportunity to speak up and to choose and take place because that's what a really student-centered educational processes, having them decide and own their learning process. Yeah. And 
like you said, when they own it and they have more ownership of it, they're going to, they're going to put more into it because they feel like they're actively participating and they were listened to. Okay. Let's transition. Uh, talk about mentors. I, that's something that I talk about a lot with people. And I, I still feel people know that they should have a mentor in their life. And I still feel there's this gap with people having a mentor or finding a mentor. I've always tried to find people in in a space or a place that I want to be that are three years or five years ahead of me. So talk about your experience, Maggie, and any recommendations you have for people with having a mentor, finding a mentor, and just maybe what you've learned from mentors over the years. Okay, great. Um, I honestly think I've been, I don't know if the um, right word would be blessed in this matter, because I've had great people near me during my entire life and not just those near me, but those who I've reached out to most of the times they have answered back, which is an amazing thing. There was a point in my career where I started a new position and it was uh, the title was something like innovation and or academic innovation coordinator, something like that. The thing is, I was in charge of learning what was happening in different parts of the world and trying to see in what ways we could adjust it in order to implement it. Well, efficacy here, right, um, in Guadalajara. So not just to bring and make a copy paste, but how to truly adapt it and not just adopt. So um, during that time of my professional journey, I was in need of reaching out to people, not just here in Mexico, but in different parts of the world. And this and sadly, I have to confess, here in Mexico, we are not so well prepared. I'm not sure why, but it's very common that when you reach out to someone which is like in a higher or more advanced uh, path than you are, uh, getting an, an honest and not just honest but generous response is hard. But to my surprise, when I started reaching out, because I had no other choice, like I, I needed to reach out, I needed to ask for things, to ask for ideas and to ask for help. So uh, I had to swallow my pride because I was well accustomed that here in Mexico, you ask for things and people do not look well on you. And sometimes you don't get like a good response from them. But I had to do it. There was no other choice for me. So I started reaching out to different people in different parts of the world. And all of a sudden, like a whole new perspective opened up for me because people were open and people were generous and people were trying to help, like genuinely help. And that really made like a deep impact in me. And I remember I was talking with my husband back then and I was telling him, 
like it it was um uh yeah it was a big moment and i made a choice and i made uh like this commitment to myself to every single day try to be open and generous because i like the way that felt because i knew i was being helped and i knew that no matter how many um, light years I need to go forward still to be like a great educator or to be a good person, I know maybe someone is one step or two steps behind me. And maybe it's in some specific areas. I'm not saying they're like behind me in everything they're not like worse people than I am or they're not uh, less knowledgeable than I am in general but if they're reaching out for one specific thing is because maybe I've managed to come forward or or uh, being able to climb one or two steps higher than they so what better than reach out and help them climb and in that way, we all benefit. So in general, that was like uh, my experience about it. But specifically, uh, I honestly am truly deeply welcome. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm truly deeply grateful to Ron Canuel. Uh, he's Canadian. I'm not sure if people here like uh, kind of know him or what he has done. Uh, he worked incredibly hard to get um, Canada into educational innovation. And he was, uh, for example, one of the first to implement a whole, it's not district there, but a whole area with one-on-ones computers to students. So uh, when I reached out to him, he very generously helped and he continues to be my mentor in some things so uh me being like a nobody in the educational world you know but those kinds of attitudes is truly what I've been trying to live up to you know yeah. No. So, I get, well, first of all, you are definitely not a nobody, and thank you for <laughs> responding to me reaching out to come on this podcast. And I think to summarize, it's just keep reaching out to people because yes. if you are, yeah, people are going to respond, and if they don't, then maybe you didn't want to connect with that person anyway. And yeah, you know, just like the example about the educator in Canada, I've been reaching out to people for years and years and years, and. 95% of people, they get back and they say, sure, let's connect. Let's talk. Let's meet for coffee. How can I help? You want to do this. This is how I do it. And you, uh, and you support each other because Maggie, when we're connected, we're all just better. And in the end, we're, we're better for kids and for, and for our schools and, um, especially across countries. I think that's even, even better because we're, we're in different, we're in different countries, which is awesome. Uh, yes. And sorry, but, um, if we are truly one, if we truly want to teach our kids to be citizens of the world, we need to start acting on that as well, yep. because I mean, we all educators know it. 
the example is, I don't know how many times more powerful than words. So it doesn't matter how many times we tell them things about how you need to connect with others and how to reach out and how to truly collaborate in order to achieve greater things. But if they don't notice those details and those evidences that we are actually doing it, you know, like I've, like I've had great experiences. For example, um, I've in Twitter, I got to know uh, some people from the PBL world, right, in project-based learning, because I was into that. And then eventually on a big conference, I got to know them face-to-face, -face, and it was amazing, you know, like, hey, I'm finally uh, being able to, well, this was uh, pre-COVID, but I was able to hug them, and I was able to, hey, like, you know, it's not just like putting a face to him or to her, because, well, on Twitter, you may have that, but but truly that human and personal connection that you develop when you get with someone. Um, and then if you are back with your kids, you will probably say something about it. Or you may have, like in my case, tweeted about it. So maybe my students, maybe my teachers, maybe my team, they one way or another are noticing that it is something that you do. It's not just a speech. Yeah. Yeah. No, speaking of those Twitter connections, I was just speaking at a conference last month and I met a principal who I had known for 10 years. And it was the first time that we had met in person. And it was, it was fun. It, I, I felt like I hung out with him many times in person and we hadn't, we've talked on the phone and Twitter and email and zoom and everything else. So it was, uh, it's real, just, uh, put yourself out there and, and connect with awesome people. Maggie, part of this podcast is amplifying the voices of my guests. I'm just going to pass the microphone over to you. What would you like to say to all the educators in, in Mexico, United States, Canada, all over the world that listen to this podcast? Thank you. Um, first of all, I would say congratulations on your job. It's usually, at least here in Mexico, but for what I've heard and read uh, in other parts of the world as well, not so well paid, like economically, but the rewards are amazing, especially if you take into consideration the great impact that whatever you do or do not do have in every single kid or in every single teacher that you work with and how that impact may go like years ahead, you know, generations and generations. It, you do not know the impact you may have. So congratulations because it's hard work not necessarily so well paid and the responsibility you hold is great sometimes it might be paralyzing so um yeah first of all kudos and congratulations second you're not alone we are a lot of educators in different levels there are uh, teachers, teacher aides, you have coordinators, you have 
directors and principals. And if you go from there, depending on whatever country you are, you may have like superintendents and stuff, or you here in Mexico may have uh, supervisors and sector chiefs and stuff. So you are not alone. Reach out, definitely. Reach out to share, first of all, what has been working for you, because someone might need that uh, idea or that strategy for you or for their classroom, from you, for their classes and their communities. But also reach out when you need help because we are so used to covering up, to pretending everything's good. Um, I think mainly facing our students and parents, but in the end we end up covering ourselves in layers and layers of makeup and pretending everything is perfect when it's not necessarily the truth. So I, I would even say that even facing our kids, we're not necessarily doing them any good by pretending everything is perfect. Because if we want to truly develop character, you know, we are so used to the four C's, like 21st century skills, and we all know critical thinking, communication, uh, collaboration, and creativity. Those are like worldwide now. But what about character education? You know, character education and courage, like having the courage to say what you have to say, to do what you have to do, to knowing what's right and wrong and acting on that. And that's something that you need to set an example as an educator. So if you need help, reach out. If you do not know how to, say so. Ask for help. Say, I'll get back to you tomorrow. Let me learn. Or let's investigate it together. Because that's, that's what's done in real life. So following up on the C's, maybe uh, along with character education that to me it goes hand in hand with courage, I would say um, definitely curiosity. We need to develop more curiosity in ourselves and with our students. We need to be curious if we truly want to develop that critical thinking and spark that creativity. I think it's a precursor. It's a, it's a first step that we many times just forget about it, but we truly need it. And the citizenship of the world, that's another one. It's, it's truly necessary nowadays and more if we look into the future. And finally, we could talk about coding. All that uh, is definitely super necessary. I mean, coding along with the rest of the computational skills, you could uh, name it with whatever C suits you best, but those computational skills and coding, I think they are essential. I would say that, yeah, those are, to me, those are the eight Cs we should be talking about, not just four. <laughs> 
I love it. No, I totally agree that there's more more seeds. I love that you talked about coding. I think you know how I feel about coding just as a way to learn and problem solve and to uh, and to do hard things. It's uh, it's so important. Maggie, I've had so much fun talking to you today. I love your energy, love your excitement and your experience and all that you're doing. Again, do yourselves a favor, margarita underscore PSR. It'll be linked in the show notes and then learning you L. See if you need somebody to reach out to, or you're looking for somebody to connect with. Maggie is a connector as well. I feel like people reach out to me and they ask a question. I don't know, but I know 10 or 15 or 25 people that do know uh, how to get something that you're looking for and that be a connector as well. I think being that totally. con conduit to other things is important. Maggie Silva, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for all you do. Everybody listening, wherever you are in the country, thank you for all that you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.